0: this is pivot perspectives with chris o'burn the show that takes you around the world to share interviews with some of the most successful and relevant people on the planet hear their stories and get the most important business lessons they've learned on their road to success and get exclusive access on how to implement their success into your life and business pivot perspectives is brought to you by the strategic advisor board and your
1: host chris o'burn all right well michael welcome and I'm really excited to have you here today because I've heard quite a bit about you already from Jason Miller.
0: Excellent. Well, thank you, Chris. Pleasure to be here.
1: So I'd like to start out with, it's, it's kind of a variation of the what do you do question, but what's the big picture of what you do from a business perspective, and why is that important for people to know?
0: From a business perspective, we are a digital marketing agency that specializes in SEO and paid search management. What we're doing is, and the reason why it's important, is because our mission is to help individuals and companies look their best online. And what I have found over almost two decades now is the best way, in addition to social media, which is somewhat separate, is through a combination of both SEO and paid search. And that might be social media, paid search, and maybe Google ads. Uh, but leveraging that as well as organic search, whether that's Google business or organic rankings on Google, is the primary way that people get noticed. And I like to say that you are what Google says you are. So, yeah, being, mindful, sure. right, being mindful of how you appear online is critical to how we do business today. And really, no one is exempt from that. You know, I deal with a lot of companies, as you can imagine, our agency. And sometimes I'll get someone within a business and say, Well, it doesn't matter what people say about me online. Nobody can find me anyway. I have a common name. Okay, well, that's fine, but give me literally. A minute and I will find where you're listed somewhere online and wouldn't you want to be proactive and control that and I think that's really the essence of what we do is we're we're looking out for people's reputations online whether they're an individual or a company because it's just so important today
1: so how would you summarize that would you say that you help people Get found and get found in the right way online
0: I think that's a great way to put it Chris so we amplify someone's visibility online and we make sure that the information that's being provided puts them in the best light and you know we got to be really careful about that in some ways they always say you know power can be used for good or evil And we're very selective about who we work with. And I think both the uh, benefit of being in this business and also the challenge is really separating the chafe from the wheat, finding the companies who are most deserving, uh, the individuals who are just morally and ethically aligned with doing good things and really getting behind those people Uh, to make sure that they're visible online.
1: Why is that important to you?
0: I think it just comes back to our core values. We want to be doing the right thing, treat others as you would like to be treated. And I feel that culturally within our agency, we like to get behind businesses, individuals, corporations that are doing good. And there are enough out there that fortunately we will never run out of work. So, you know, I feel like we can be somewhat choosy, saying we do all things for all people. We can really align with those clients who match what we're trying to do in the world.
1: So let's take a step back. And do you have a story or something that happened in childhood that sort of shaped who you are today?
0: Yeah, you know, I have a a few places in my life that, as I reflect back, I think definitely set the path for me. One was uh, losing my mom at a very young age. Uh, I thought it was a young age. I was 19 at the time, and it was unexpected, and it was a tragic loss, and it took me many years to kind of work through that and try to understand what it meant for me. And I think that there's a certain type of nurturing relationship there that I realized was important, not just in a person, also in business. And then I couple that with my almost two decades of experience in the corporate world, dealing with you know some pretty large companies and having multiple relationships with a variety of different agencies and thinking about what it is that I wanted to do differently. And I'm not going to say better, because I think there are a lot of really strong agencies out there, especially in the digital marketing space. And because of that, it's really not about doing things better. It's about doing things in a way that kind of aligns with your core values, where you feel that you can create the most value for a particular client or customer. And I feel like that's really what's behind Big Fin SEO. And if I can divert for just a minute too to talk about search engine optimization you know as an industry we've really been we've been both the, the low meaning seo for a very long time was so critical to everyone's marketing mix and it still is today but it really got a bad rap because in the early days it was relatively easy to manipulate and because of that there were a lot of companies getting into it, a lot of overseas companies, a lot of uh, shady companies, and it really put a black eye on this whole idea of SEO when, in fact, it's still as important, if not more important than ever. It's just not as easy to manipulate as it was in the past. So some people shy away from it because they say, well, this is difficult, therefore I'm not going to do it. And truthfully, that's why we do it. We do it because it is difficult and because it has such long-term effects to the companies and in- individuals who focus on it. Um, you know, that SEO piece, I think, now is the best time to be in an SEO. And a lot of people will fight me on that. But the reality is Google is rewarding companies for producing quality assets, whether that's information. Uh, video, um, images, blog posts, so on and so forth. So, you know, I I think it's really where it should be today as an industry and rewarding those companies who really put out the most engaging value-added content today.
1: So what's the path that led you to establishing Fin SEO?
0: Yeah, so Big Fin was... Really, for a long time, was just my freelance business. So I was working in corporate America, and uh, my tale is probably not all that unique. But I rose up through them to manage large marketing departments at uh, major publishers and education technology companies. And I, there was this need to do more. I was feeling a little unfulfilled. So I wanted to focus on my passion, which at the time was writing and editing and doing some of those things. So I started freelancing on the side, just picking up small jobs here and there. And one thing led to another. One client referred me to another client to another. And I really couldn't do both. I couldn't work at a full time job from eight to six and then freelance you know, hours on end in order to kind of follow my passion. So what I decided was, because I was very risk-averse at the time, I said, if I can make the same amount of money freelancing as I can in my full-time job, I'll leave my full-time job. And for me, that was net, meaning there was no way in my mind I was ever going to earn anything close to what I was making <laughs> in my full-time job, so I'd never have to worry about it. So fast forward a couple of years, maybe two, three years into it, I was making the same amount freelancing as I was in my full-time job. And I have some friends who know the story, and they said, well, why didn't you just keep doing that? It's like you had doubled the salary. And the answer is because it was unsustainable. I couldn't be working two full-time jobs. That's, That's a lot. So I decided after many sleepless nights that I would take the risk, that I would quit my full-time job and I'd become a full-time freelancer. And I did that, I made the leap and I had really three pretty good years. The first year was a little light, the second year I did pretty well. By the third year I was really up and running and in a moment of reflection, I decided that I had had enough, that being a full-time freelancer wasn't quite what I expected. I got to that point where I wasn't just helping people and delivering value. I was sales and marketing. I was the accounting department. I was customer service. I was fulfillment. I was running a business all by myself. And I said, wouldn't it be easier if I just went back to corporate America? And that's what I did. So I returned, uh, had a, a senior leadership role in, at an HR company, and I did that for about uh, four years and then had an unexpected challenge arise, which is the company was being acquired and all the executives got fired, myself included. And it was the first time I had ever lost a job in, in my entire life. But I decided at the time I would still kind of stay with corporate America, and I started looking for a job. But I quickly found out that the terrain was much more rugged than I had anticipated because I was in a specialized industry. The salary I had become accustomed to was now a barrier, and in essence, no one would hire me. So I did the only thing I knew how to do out of desperation, and that was to start freelancing again. So I restarted this journey, and I did it differently the second time around. I kind of went in with eyes wide open, and I said, I'm going to focus on delivering value. And when the business gets big enough, I'm going to start to hire people and build a team comprised 100% by other freelancers. And one thing led to another. That really started the, the full agency, uh, Big Fin SEO. And that's where we are today. So if it weren't, as I like to say, getting thrown off the corporate ladder, I don't know that I would be here today. I don't know that Big Fin in its true uh, form would be here today. So I'm grateful for all those things that happened because, you know, sometimes to go down a certain path, you need a little push. And I think that was the push I needed.
1: Yeah, it's interesting how many entrepreneurs I talk to who have gone into business as the result of some struggle that they had. Um, So I know a lot of agency owners really struggle just to get a business going, just to really even just to be a glorified freelancer. They'll say it's a business, but they're still just a freelancer. So how did you figure out how to build a successful agency?
0: I think the key for me was identifying where my skill set was and the fastest, most efficient path for growth. And for me, since I had been in corporate America for many years, I had developed a lot of agency relationships. So I was not a salesperson. I, I would like to think that I can sell a few things today, but back when I started, I was the opposite of a salesperson. It made me very nervous. I wasn't very good at it. I didn't really see the value of pressuring, So that's how I thought about it, pressuring someone to buy what I was offering. And although that has changed, I think the fundamental choice I made has not, which is I like working, Big Fin as an agency, we like working as a partner with other marketing agencies. Many agencies do not have full-time SEOs or even paid search management people because they're very expensive. The good ones are very expensive and poor business. So what we do is, and what we have done, which has been our path to growth, has been leveraging other agency relationships and in essence, being their white label solution. Now, I will say, Chris, That is not necessarily, that's what's gotten us to where we are today. Um, But going forward, we are kind of expanding how we bring in new clients, whether it's cold email, um, running certain ads around specific offers. So we've definitely expanded our marketing and outreach as our business has grown. But what got us there were these strategic agency relationships that were truly a win-win it was actually a win-win-win so they were able to to provide their clients seo we were able to provide the agencies a service that really complemented their their offering and we as an agency had this steady stream that didn't require selling it didn't require heavy account management And that really allowed us to keep our costs low and at the same time provide this valuable service. So, again, kind of a unique path to to getting where we are today. But I think in the future, it's not just the agency relationships. It's also being out there and kind of building our own customer base to complement what we currently have.
1: That makes sense. Now, you had said previously that you have worked for some big publishers. Who are some of those big publishers that you worked for? And what was it that you did for them?
0: Yeah, so the largest is uh, Thompson, which is now Thompson Reuters. And yeah. um, I was in the education division at the time. And under me, I ran um, marketing. I ran uh, call center I ran market research marketing related functions and you know that was really a valuable experience i had some great mentors there and you know i learned that you really do need to understand the needs of your audience that was really early on in the process i think where i had this this salient opportunity around what makes good marketing And so often we rely on market research of one, which is, oh, well, the way I buy product is this way, so therefore everyone must believe that or operate in that way. Or when I go to a website, the first thing I look for is X, so every website should have X. And the reality is that marketers should not be guessing what their clients want and i know that sounds to be the antithesis of how marketers operate but it's true and that's why market research is so important and market research is in the doing not necessarily the asking it's kind of like uh, when scanners showed up at you know uh, grocery stores many years ago in that situation marketers quickly learned that what they assumed people were doing wasn't what they were actually doing, meaning they would say, oh, I prefer brand A over brand B. But when they looked at the registered data, they actually bought brand B, not brand A. And that is really the the power of market research, not just asking your potential customers what they want, but putting up two landing pages and seeing which one has a higher conversion rate. That actionable data is so much more valuable, and I feel that today's marketers have lost sight of that. In some, uh, largely because there's just so much data, they don't know where to start. And doing something as easy as a headline test or an A/B split or um, multivariate testing, where you know you combine combined different headlines with different body copy and calls to action. You know, computers can do a lot of the work today, but you still need to go into these new situations with a mindset around how can I better understand the buying behavior of my potential customers? And I think that makes all the difference. And if it weren't for my experience in the publishing companies, I don't think I would have uh, truly understood the value of that. And, um, you know, publishing has changed dramatically over the years. But at the end of the day, it's all about having something that people want to engage with. And that's why we see you know, these link bait headlines today, because unfortunately, quality all the time, it's all about creating that engagement.
1: So you probably have a unique perspective on what creates online influence. And that's something I've been pondering for a while. So if someone wants to increase their online influence, their visibility, how do they go about doing that today?
0: Well, I would take a step back and ask a whole bunch of questions, one of which is where do you want to be influential? Because, you know, if I'm in the marketing industry, I probably don't want to be in the luxury goods industry and try to be an influencer there. First of all, I'm not good looking enough. And secondly, I don't know that it would accrue any value back to myself or the people who I'm in. So I think the first part is kind of that addressable market piece, which is where do you want to be seen as an influencer? And once we do that, we can start to narrow down the the strategy and ultimately the, Tactics of getting there. So I think that's the first piece is understanding your goals and and who your addressable market is. The second is to, as I like to say, stand in front of the bus, right? Like if you want to get hit by a bus, you got to see where the bus is going and step right in front of it. If you try to influence the bus or encourage the bus to move in a different direction, it's never going to get there. So you really have to look to see where these individuals spend their time, who you're trying to influence. And then the third piece is being ever-present. And there are some people who do that do that extremely well, um, you know, publish on multiple platforms. Uh, I've got a good friend who actually just um, uh, published a new book. And she spent a lot of time trying a lot of different platforms. And ultimately, for her... She found that TikTok was the best platform. Now, to her credit, she probably spent, at least in the beginning, three hours a day just producing, editing, and publishing TikTok videos. And to be honest, some people just aren't willing to do what it takes to reach that influencer status. Now, she developed a huge following. She had a number of videos go viral. And I think it was a direct result of the amount of time, energy, and effort she put into that initiative. But she tried a lot of different things before she found the one thing that really clicked. And because of that following that she developed, she got a book deal. She launched a new company. She's doing great. And I always look to her as the exemplar because so many people either they think it's um, they think it's one extreme or the other which is oh I'm gonna put up one video it's gonna go viral and I'm gonna be a multimillionaire, or they say you know what it's gonna take so much time and so much effort I'm not gonna even do it and the reality is somewhere in the middle which is the more you put into it the more you'll get out of it and there is some luck involved so you know it goes back to what we talked about initially Chris which is who do you want to influence? What is that addressable market? And what's reasonable to expect that you can achieve? And I think if people think through it in that way, it makes it much more approachable and uh, more, more satisfying based on that you put in and what type of result you get.
1: So if you let so let's say you get your market right, you know who you're influencing and you know where they are um is the next most important thing that uh omnipresent being everywhere and having just just a a a lot of presence across the board across different platforms
0: i think so i think it has to be strategic i know someone who's been posting on instagram literally as long as i can remember and i think the guy has a hundred followers yeah at some point you have to say okay is my content the right content? Is my message the right message? But to his credit, he's persistent. And I think at some point, maybe he'll take a step back and kind of reflect on what content is actually getting a little more engagement. So, look, if it, if it, everybody would do it, everybody would be an influencer like Mr. Beast, you know, who's making tens of millions of dollars every year. But, you know, he started with a single video, but it was just not the one video. He did a second and a third, and he learned each time. And I think that's really, for me, the most valuable aspect of it is that that process of self-discovery and learning what you're good at, what you're not good at, honing your skills, getting better in front of the camera, being able to produce value-added Content and information that people really want. So it's less about the, although quantity is important, I was going to say it's less about the quantity than it is the quality, but you really need both today if you want to cut through the clutter, especially since people's attention spans are like seven seconds now. So unfortunately, having quality content enough, you also need quantity.
1: Good. Thank you. That answers some of the the questions and and we'll just say confirms some of the thoughts that I've been having around it, too, as I research more and more. Along the way, who are some of the most important uh, influences or mentors that have helped you?
0: I've been lucky enough to have a few. Um, One of my early mentors, which most of the readers probably won't even remember, used to be the president and owner of Evelyn Wood Reading Dynamics. Evelyn Wood Reading Dynamics, which was started by a woman by the name of Evelyn Wood, was one of the first direct response companies that ever existed. And she taught people how to speed read. It was like the first speed reading course ever invented. And she sold millions of speed reading courses through commercials, through magazine advertising, direct mail into people's homes. And he bought that company from Evelyn Wood. He ran it for a number of years and then sold it. And uh, his name is Alan Golden. And Alan was an early mentor of mine. He really taught me the importance of practice, rehearsal, um, being strategic, showing up and being present. You know, a lot of life lessons that have also helped in business. And I think that, and he's still a friend today, um, and we do talk on occasion, and I think it really is all about focusing on what you want, not on what you don't want. So often we kind of doubt ourselves and say, well, I don't want to lose a client, I don't want to do this, I don't want to do that. And that consumes a lot of attention and creates a lot of resistance to what you're trying to achieve. So I think it's important uh, at least from he, from him as a mentor uh, what I one of the many things I took away was you should always be looking to the future and planning to the future. You want to be present in the moment, but you need to be thinking about kind of what's next and where you want to go if you ever hope to get there. Right? If they always say if you're looking in the rearview mirror, you can't drive forward and and it is true. So he was a fabulous mentor of mine. Um, I I also early in my career had had the benefit of working with the CEO of the uh, interiors division for USG, which is United States gypsum corporation, their fortune 100 company. And um, he was just a very buttoned up, uh, wonderful guy who it taught me the importance again of market research. He was a real market research guy. We worked on a special project together. Um so again, a lot of the influence from these mentors early on taught me to do my homework and you know be humble uh, throughout the process because you never know, right? I mean, one day you could be flying high, the next um you're looking for the next job. So I think it's important to respect people for what they bring to the table. And uh, have compassion for others and a lot of that came from my early mentors early in my career what
1: would you say is one of the most valuable lessons you've learned along the way
0: I would say that sometimes it really is that easy right we've been told at least I've been told by so many people oh, business is hard and running your own company is tough and It's hard to manage people and, you know, the economy is tough and like all of this negativity. And yes, that's definitely part of every business, right? For those of us who run businesses, we know that that's the reality. But the opposite is also the reality. Sometimes you get some really big wins. Sometimes it's not even financial. It's, hey, we're working with a company that we really feel good about. Um, Sometimes it's. That hire that you made who goes above and beyond and you're just so proud of them and what they achieved that it really brightens your your day, your week, your month, right? So there are so many wins that more than offset the challenges, and that's really the message I like to give to people who are just starting out. Maybe they're starting out as a freelancer or they're starting out early in their career or maybe they're mid-career and they had a rough spell and now they have to kind of start over. My message to them is again yes things can be difficult but they can also be amazing and one successful and it doesn't have to be difficult sometimes you get easy wins so celebrate those wins cherish those wins and stay focused on those because you know the uh there's kind of that model that shows two balls rolling down different paths, and one is a straight line, and one is kind of ups and downs, and the one that goes up and down is actually faster than the straight line, right? So that's business to me, and that's really kind of the outlook that I think people need to have. Um, So the best advice is focus on the positive, celebrate your wins, and when challenges do happen, realize it's just part of the process.
1: Love that. Michael, thank you so much for coming on the show today. That was just a whole lot of great wisdom and advice and insight for the listener. That's great. And can I, since I have my other recorder on, can I yeah. do a quick, uh, record a quick promo? I just want to ask you two questions. Love it. <laughs> so the first question is, what was your favorite part of our interview?
0: I really enjoyed the opportunity to talk about some of the things that I've learned from key mentors throughout my life and how that's really influenced not only my business life but my personal life as well.
1: What do you think the viewer will enjoy the most about our interview?
0: I think viewers will definitely enjoy hearing about the journey of how I started as a freelancer and developed an agency. That serves hundreds of clients.
1: That's awesome. Thank you, thank you very much. It was great, great getting to know you and learn more about what you're up to. And uh, yeah, after you know, Jason had some great things to say about you, and I was excited for this conversation.
0: Thanks for listening to Pivot Perspectives with your host, Chris O'Byrne. Please leave your feedback and visit strategicadvisorboard.com to get the latest and greatest business advice on the planet. Follow us on social media for updates and we will see you on the next episode.